The March to Zion broadcast is a weekly radio production of Bethlehem Primitive Baptist Church. The broadcast is under the direction of Elder Tim McCool, pastor. For more information, contact 205-364-1396 or write the March to Zion broadcast, P.O. Box 270, Carrollton, Alabama, 35447. Stay tuned for a message of God's sovereign grace. This is Tim McCool, pastor of Bethlehem Primitive Baptist Church and director of the March to Zion broadcast. Please stay tuned for a message of salvation by grace alone. morning. It's my great blessing and privilege to be able to speak to you in this way. If you're a returning listener, then we thank you for your ongoing prayers and support. And if you're a first-time listener, we hope that you'll feel burdened to join us each week at this same time. We rejoice in the message of salvation by grace alone, which simply means that God has done everything necessary within himself to accomplish our salvation. When Jesus cried out on the cross, it is finished. We understand that means that our salvation was done. It was completed, and it was completely wrought within the Trinity, within the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost, and we are the blessed beneficiaries of that. We invite you to come and worship with us at Bethlehem anytime that you can. We meet each Sunday morning at 1030 and on the second and fourth Wednesday nights at 6 o'clock. Our website is BethlehemPBC.org. That's BethlehemPBC.org. Also, I would like to remind you of the new hymnal that we have recently released. We rejoice in being able to present 78 hymns in this new hymn book called Songs of Zion. 
and it's located on a website. You can find it there at sozhymnal.org. That's sozhymnal.org. I think you'll enjoy checking that out. There's a lot of local hymn writers who have contributed to that hymn book. Lastly, I'd love to hear from you. If you can reach out by email, my email address is tim at T-I-M-M-C-C-O-O-L-L-A-W dot com. That's tim at T-I-M-M-C-C-O-O-L-L-A-W dot com. Following this song will bring to you a message from the Word of God.
We've been speaking for a number of weeks now on the basics. It's amazing how many people today maybe have never heard the basics. As I've said several times on the radio, I have heard from folks over the years who maybe never heard a message on Ephesians, the first chapter, or maybe never heard a message on Romans 8 and 29, when what we find there are the basics. It's not heady, high-minded, difficult-to-understand doctrine, but it's the basics. And you'll recall that in Acts, the 20th chapter, the Apostle Paul is very specific about how he taught the people at Ephesus. And it was his manner of teaching everywhere he went, not just at Ephesus, but he gets very detailed that he taught them all the counsel of God, that he kept back nothing from them that was profitable for them, that he declared unto them everything that God in the burdening of the Holy Spirit wanted him to declare to them. And somebody says, well, but we don't really know exactly what he taught. Yes, we do. Yes, we do. Ephesians, the first chapter, the second chapter, the third chapter, details the exact truths that he taught to them in the first messages as he taught them the basics. Think about it. We go to school for, what, 12, 13 years. Some people go on and uh, go to higher education and college and maybe a master's degree, but everybody basically goes to school. And can you imagine getting to be a senior in high school in 12th grade and somebody coming and saying, hey... So what did you think about all that math that you learned all those years that you were taking math through, what, third grade, second grade, and on up? And you looked at him and you said, math? What's math? <laughs> or what if somebody came to a senior in high school and said to them, well, how about that reading? Did you learn all that reading? Did you enjoy that? And the person looked and said, huh? I've never learned to read. Listen, reading, writing, and arithmetic, those are the basics. And it would be like coming to a senior in high school and saying, what do you think about those basics? And they're like, I don't even know what you're talking about. That's what it would be like if we come to a child of God and we say to a child of God, hey, what do you think about these basics? What do you think about God foreknowing a people out of every kindred and tribe and tongue and nation? What do you think about God choosing a people. What do you think about God predestinating you to be conformed to his image? What do you think about God borning again his children? What do you think about glorification one day in the great and glorious resurrection that is yet to come when the Lord returns? It would literally be like talking to a senior in high school and them saying, what? I've never heard of that. You see, these are the basics. It's like the reading, writing, and arithmetic of the truths of Jesus Christ. So listen carefully. If you've never heard these things before, we ought to ask why, number one. Why have I never heard these things before? Because they are the basics. And if you've never heard them, look into them. Read them. Study them. They're here in the Word of God. They're here plainly on the pages of the Word of God. And this morning, we come to the next in line of the basics. If you'll remember, a few weeks ago, we talked about the first basic, which is total depravity, meaning that we are dead in sins without God. If God doesn't touch our heart, if God doesn't reach down and do something to something that's dead, then it there's no way that it can live. And that's why he says in Ephesians 2 and 1, and you hath he quickened, made alive, who were dead in trespasses and in sins. That's a reference to the new birth. In other words, Something that is dead cannot react.
cannot live, cannot move, cannot breathe. And that's where we are without God doing something to us. You remember God looked down through time, Psalms 14, and he saw, also Romans 3, he saw that no one would come to him, no one would accept him, no one would believe on him, no one would make any kind of move in prayer, baptism, or nothing. That's the condition that man is in. You say, well, how do we get in that condition? Well, the basics is found in the Garden of Eden. Adam sinned, and we fell into sin, and we're dead in sins. We're not just a little bit dead or half dead. According to the Scripture, according to Jesus' own words, we are dead in sins. Now listen, that is a basic. We must comprehend that basic teaching. There's not a little bit of good in every man, woman, or child. No, he says they are all corrupt. They are all gone astray. They come forth from the womb speaking lies. That's from the Psalms. That is a basic teaching of the Word of God. And listen, if that's the way that it is, which it is, the Scripture teaches that, but if that truly is the way that it is, then we can see why, easily see why, that God had to reach down into us as being dead, into mankind, and choose a people. We don't choose Him. He chooses us. And we don't love Him first so that He will love us. It says He loves us first, and that's why we love Him. So you see, those are the basics. If we can comprehend how dead in sins man is without God doing something, it's easy to see why God had to choose. And remember, it's not a little small number of God's elect, but it's a people out of every kindred and tribe and tongue and nation as the stars of the skies, the sands of the sea. You may get tired of hearing me say that, but I'm going to say it again and again because we have to understand that God's people are so vast and numerous that they can't be numbered. But God has them numbered. God's got the hairs on their head numbered. So here we go with the third basic teaching of the Scripture in Romans 8 and verse 29. He says, For whom he did foreknow, that's what we've already talked about, he also did predestinate to be conformed to the image of his Son. Now that word predestinate, has caused so much confusion and trouble with God's people over the centuries, and especially in the last hundred years or so, if anybody's even ever heard that basic at all. You'll hear things like, well, that's just something you can't comprehend. That's something in the mystery of God that we can't ever really fully understand. Well, why has God told us about this? And look at just how simple it is. It's not anything to be afraid of. Listen, if the Apostle Paul told those brothers and sisters in the city of Ephesus that I have not withheld anything profitable to you. This is one of the exact things that he taught them. And he said it was profitable to them. So listen to how this is profitable. You have been predestinated. The word itself means to set the destination beforehand. It's just that simple. Pre means before. Destinate is about the destination. So your destination has been preset before. Now, why did God have to do that? Because we were dead in sins. We wouldn't move a toe towards the Lord. We wouldn't even look his way because we were dead in trespasses and in sins. We couldn't. Why? We're dead. First Corinthians, the second chapter, tells us that the natural man, the dead man, the man who has no spirituality about him, does not desire or care about the things of God. He cannot receive the things of God. First Corinthians 2.14. 
So you see, that means we're dead in sin. So if we're going to be in heaven, he had to set our destination. But it's more than just setting our destination for heaven. Because think about it. If we're in these old sinful bodies, we can't enjoy heaven. There would be an aspect of heaven, oh, we just can't experience all we need to experience because we're tainted by the sin. Well, number one, we can't exist in heaven in a sinful body. So guess what? God has set our destination, and not only is it heaven, but we will be conformed to the image of his son. Now think about that, child of God. Is that bad? You remember Jesus, when he was resurrected, he came forth victorious from the grave, and he had total, absolute control over every molecule of his body. He was in a resurrected form. He was in his flesh, but resurrected, powerful, immortal. Oh, I love the superhero stories. I love Superman. I love Batman. I love the Avengers. I've followed those for years. I used to get the comic books when I was a kid. I love the superheroes. Well, there's superheroes in the Bible, too. But I want you to think about it. The superheroes all have some kind of weakness. You know, for Batman, it was just he was a physical man and he could be killed. Uh, For Superman, it was kryptonite. And for others, it was this or it was that or the other. What I want to think about, I want you to think about this. What if you had no weaknesses? None. No weaknesses whatsoever. That's the immortality. You know, the false gods of old, Zeus and the different ones from the old days that they fabricated. Do you ever wonder why they could be killed? Zeus was alive and some son rebelled against him and the, the myth goes and he was killed. But he was immortal. Well, how was he killed if he's immortal? <laughs> See, it doesn't make any sense. Jesus Christ, he cannot be killed. As a matter of fact, whenever he submitted himself to the torturous treatment of evil men on the earth, and he also submitted himself to the wrath of his own father, it took him letting his life go. He had to dismiss his life from his body. Otherwise, he would have never been killed. It was in his time, his way, at his moment, when he finally said, Father, into thy hands I commend my spirit. And he let his spirit go. You see, the Lord is so powerful that he can't die unless he let himself die that one time, and now he's immortal in his resurrected body. He has no kryptonite. He has no weakness. Now, that is true immortality. And that, child of God, is what we are predestinated for. We will be conformed to the image of the dear Son of God. It doesn't mean we'll look exactly like Jesus. It doesn't mean that we'll have the same position as Jesus But it does mean this, that because of the work of Jesus, because of his finished work on the cross and his glorious resurrection from the grave by his own power, I might add, because of that, then we will be conformed to his perfect image. And we'll have no kryptonite to weaken us. We'll have no weakness. 1 Corinthians, the 15th chapter, gives some very vivid details about what it will be like in the resurrection one day. It uses words in 1 Corinthians 15 and verse 42. It uses words like incorruption, glory, power, spiritual body. You see, all of those things indicate that we have no weakness. He says we were sown in dishonor, but one day we'll be raised in glory. We were sown in weakness, and one day we'll be raised in power. We had a natural body, but we'll be raised out of the grave one day in a spiritual body. He says there is a natural body and there is a spiritual body. You see, it's great news to know that because God has set our destination, because he intervened in the dead race of mankind, 
And because of his work, because of Jesus' work, because of the Spirit's covenant, the Father's covenant, and the Son's covenant within themselves, then we'll be conformed to the image of the Son one day. For the life of me, I can't see how that is a bad thing. It's not a bad thing. It's the essence of the gospel, that we're not going to live forever in these old dead bodies with age spots coming on and problems and issues that we have that ultimately lead to our demise and our physical death and our spirit is dismissed from our body. We're not just going to float around forever as spirits in heaven. No, there's coming a day because of the Lord and because of his power that he's going to come back and call these bodies home. And if we're alive and remain here when he returns, then we'll be instantly transformed. We won't even have to die. But if our body has perished and lies in the grave, and though the grave be our bed for 10,000 years, Yet we will see the Lord, as Job said, we will see him with our own eyes in our own resurrected flesh because he has predestinated us to be conformed to the image of his son. Just because you've never heard that term, maybe, doesn't mean that it's a bad term. It's a good term. And if you've never heard that term before, I encourage you to go and ask. (laughs) Well, preacher, why haven't I ever heard this? Go and inquire. It's the basics. It is the glorious truth that we won't exist in these old natural bodies forever. But because God has predestinated us to be conformed to his image, he'll call these bodies forth one day and they'll be changed into glory and into power and into incorruption. Maybe go and ask, like, why have I ever heard this basic? It's a basic. Say, so, well, I've never heard it, so it can't be a basic. It's a basic. It's exactly what the Apostle Paul taught the people when he first taught them the basics and Ephesus and all of the other cities that he taught in. And you'll find the common thread of it running through all of his teachings, that man is dead in sins and can't do anything to come to God. And God has chosen a people, and God has set their destination to be conformed to his glorious image one day. That's the only way we'll ever be able to exist in heaven, child of God. Sounds like a basic to me. The only way we can exist in heaven is because he has predestinated us to have a different changed body that will be so glorious. You know, the word predestination or predestinate only occurs three or four times in the scriptures. Very easy to comprehend what is said. The next place that it occurs, Ephesians 1, he says in verse 3, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. This is Paul writing. Remember, this is Paul telling them what he taught them. Remember, he says, Remember when I was with you and I kept back nothing that was profitable to you? I showed you all things. I declared unto you all the counsel of God. Here it is. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who blessed us with all spiritual blessings and heavenly places in Christ. And he begins to name those blessings. He begins to name the basic blessings. According as he hath chosen us in him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and without blame before him in love. There it is, plain as day, having predestinated us. For what? unto the adoption of children by Jesus Christ to himself, according to the good pleasure of his will, to the praise of the glory of his grace, wherein he hath made us accepted in the beloved. Isn't that interesting that so often today you hear, you need to accept him, you need to let him into your heart. Well, listen, somebody that's dead in sins, how can a person do that? If they're dead, how can they do that? See? And if somebody says, well, I think I ought to do that, well, that means God's already there. That means he's already in your heart. If you have a feeling towards God or a desire or a burden for your sins, that means he's already there. There's nothing left to do other than to praise his holy name. And here it says the opposite of what is said many times today. He says God has accepted us through the sacrifice of Jesus Christ, and he's predestinated us to what? Adoption of children. Not only has he predestinated us to be conformed to his image, 
to have these bodies changed and glorified through the work of Jesus and the calling and power of God. But he says also that we're predestinated to be adopted children of the Lord. That's glorious, child of God. That's not something to worry about. That's not something to be afraid of. That is glorious. It's not something to fear, to be predestinated, to be an adopted child of Jesus Christ. Now, you know why we had to be adopted? Because we weren't naturally in his family. We were naturally in Adam's family. Because in Adam's fall, we sinned all. Therefore, we take on the nature of Adam when we come into this world. When a child is conceived in the womb, they take on the nature of their foreparent, and ultimately it leads all the way back to Adam. We were a part of Adam's family. And so God, in his sovereign grace and love and mercy, had to adopt us out of that family. He set our destination. He preset our destination where we would be his children, predestinated unto the adoption of children by Jesus Christ, not by our works, not by the preacher's work, not by mom and dad's work, not by the youth pastor's work, but by Jesus Christ to himself, according to the good pleasure of his will. Isn't that glorious? Oh, isn't it great to know the basics? Isn't it great to know that the work was on Jesus and not on us? Because we never could have done it in the first place, and we wouldn't want to have done it. Verse 11, in whom also we have obtained an inheritance. How did we get that inheritance? Well, we've already seen we were conformed to his image by being predestinated, and it says that we'll be adopted children by being predestinated. But how will we gain this inheritance? Well, guess what? Being predestinated according to the purpose of him who worketh all things after the counsel of his own will. Oh my goodness, it sounds like that's all tied up in the Lord, doesn't it? He has predestinated us to inherit all that he has for us. You know, over in Romans 8 chapter, it says that we're joint heirs with Christ. We're not just heirs. We're not just heirs there in the sense that, well, we're going to get something. No, we're joint heirs with Christ. We have an undivided interest in heaven because of what God has done for us through Jesus Christ. And the first thing, remember, that he did was to choose a people. That happened before the foundation of the world. And in conjunction with choosing a people, he set their destination. That makes sense, doesn't it? He said, I'm going to take these people unto me as the stars of the sky, as the sands of the sea. No man can number these people, but I've got them numbered, and I'm going to set their destination. What if he'd just chosen us and hadn't set our destination? Or left it up to us. Well, listen, we're dead in sin, so we'd never make it. We'd never even know we needed to make it because we'd be dead in sins. We can't receive the spiritual things. But the Lord said, I'm choosing them. They're going to be with me. I'm going to take them to heaven one day. And the only way they can be in heaven is they're going to have to be changed. And my son is the proof. My son is the first fruit. My son is the evidence that I've got the power to change them. Not only born them again in their hearts during their lifetime, but to actually put them back, their spirits back in their bodies that corrupted in the grave for centuries. I'm going to put them back in those bodies and they're going to be perfectly conformed to the image of my son. And they're going to enjoy the inheritance that I have for my adopted children for all time. Oh, child of God, I hope we rejoice in the basics I hope we rejoice in the finished work of Christ. I hope we rejoice in him setting our destination to be conformed to his image, to be adopted as his children, and to enjoy the blessed inheritance that is coming one day when we are with him in heaven. May God bless us to rejoice in these basics.
You've been listening to the March to Zion broadcast. For more information, contact 205-364-1396 or write to the March to Zion broadcast, P.O. Box 270, Carrollton, Alabama, 35447. Bethlehem Primitive Baptist Church is located 7 miles east of Gordo and 10 miles west of Northport, just off Highway 82 on the Boyd Road near Ecola. Services are each Sunday at 10.30 a.m. and the second and fourth Wednesday night at 6.30 p.m. Please join us next week for another message of God's sovereign grace. Love you.